Don't make it bad. You were made to go out and get her. The minute you let her under your skin, then you begin to make it better. Hey, Jude, don't be afraid. You have found her. Now go and get her. Remember to let her into your heart. And you can start to make it better. Anytime you feel the pain, hey, Jude, refrain the mood. The movement you need is on your shoulder. Don't you know that it's just you? Hey, Jude, you'll do. The movement you need is on your shoulder. Da 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 yeah. Hey, Jude, don't make it bad. You have found it. Now go and do it, too. Go and have a good time and just chill out, maybe, and, you know, uh, relax. Hey everybody, uh, I forgot to do this recently, but I want to, I'll, ah, never mind. Maybe I should do it later when there's more people listening. No, wait a minute. This isn't for people listening now. It's for people watching later. So I can say it right now. If you're watching this on YouTube, please, if you haven't already subscribe to the page because I want Chris to get his hundred thousand dollar or hundred thousand follower, not a hundred thousand dollars, but a hundred thousand follower reward from YouTube. They send you a big uh, plaque shaped like the, the finger that you have on YouTube, the up finger. So uh, let's get the man his damn plaque. He worked way harder than any of us. Oh, good. I helped the man. Yeah, I think I got my right setup finally. Yeah, we're close too. It's less than ten thousand now. So come on, you click on it. It doesn't. You don't have to do anything. It doesn't tell you what to do. It's just. I don't even honestly know. I don't have a YouTube. You know what? Maybe I should like uh, our page. It's a good idea. Or I guess I do, because I. I yeah, I've signed up. So, yeah, I guess I could. I should like it. Shit. I've never liked our page. I guess we should. So, yeah, I'll do that. I will, uh, I will, in fact, right now, I'm going to like the Chapo Trap House page because I'm presumably signed in by my personal page. And if I am, I can then like it. There's no law against that.
All right, shit, I got to sign in. I don't I don't know what it'll do. Maybe it'll, will it give me access to treats? I have to say I rarely understand uh I'm not much of one of these I'm not a YouTube generation type person. I mean, I remember when YouTube came out and it was just videos of people getting their balls demolished. Uh like that was what YouTube was for. Epic fails. Thank God all these companies are only owned by uh, like one of three corporate megaliths, so I don't have to worry about the fact that all these uh, accounts are connected to one another. Nothing to worry about. All right, I'm in here. Folks, I'm in. I've hacked into the Gibson or whatever you call it. All right, I'm going to click. Boom. I subscribed. It's just that easy, folks. Even a tech dinosaur like me, an absolute buffoon, can do it. Yeah. No, for you people who grow, who, who, you youngsters who grown up with like YouTube instead of television, which is apparently true. I don't know if it's still true. I think maybe the, the attention spans have been so fried that it literally is TikTok now. But I think for like what, maybe older Zoomers and even like young millennials, you watched YouTube instead of television. And to me, that is an experience I don't have. I was well-formed by television growing up when YouTube showed, came along. And so I saw it as a place to watch guys getting hit in the balls and then uh, local, uh, terrible local ads, terrible local uh, television spots that like that turned into memes like the living rooms, bedrooms guy. And then eventually it was like old TV shows. Like I remember I watched uh, the, the uh, pilot for that, uh, Weird Ben Stiller show about the uh, sentient motorcycle and Jack Black. But now, but if but you know if you grew up with your media diet being like divided between those two, by that point you have like these people who are on there, like these personalities that you watch. Like your Paul, your brother's Paul, for example, and then that you subscribe to them, and I guess like that lets you know when they go live, so you can turn on the TV basically and watch them. It's like, oh, Owen Wilson, yeah, that was it. So yeah, this is just me, an old man uh, yelling at a cloud today, which is frankly half of the shit. And now we're going to have like these younger Zoomers, right? Like the kid, the teens today, 
Didn't they really, did they grow up or am I hallucinating this? Did they not grow up watching procedurally generated clickbait cartoons of different, uh, like Marvel, uh, different Disney properties doing sex with each other and cutting each other's heads off and shit. Does anyone remember that? It was a big, there was a big weird article about it a few years ago. But the thing is, I don't know how long those were, those, those were going around. But anyway, that means the next generation, those babies, they're all going to be fucking, they're going to be programmed MK Ultra slugs. Like that's what, what you will, you'll have had your brain warped before you've even uh, uh, developed a, a complete endocrine system. But it definitely fulfills, uh, in my mind, the it uh, undermines the, the reality about the Internet in general that I think has to be remembered to understand it correctly, which is that the Internet was the continuation by other means of MK Ultra. And I don't mean that in the sense that the CIA said we're going to build an internet to control people's brains. I am saying that you had a whole bunch of scientific uh, advancement happening in the 60s and uh, in 50s, right, and se- to the 70s until that era because you have this big state investment in the public sector in the form of the, uh, the military-industrial complex. And that meant that you had real investment – in all kinds of ideas, pharmacology uh, uh, and also technology. So you have government money funding all this stuff. And the leading edge of government power, like the intelligence community, the ones tasked with actually steering the ship of state, like determining what will be acceptable uh, in America's democratic context, like, the guardrails on democracy at the end of the day, like obviously it's the constitution formally, but in terms of the structures that carry out uh, the prerogatives of, of limiting our democratic influence on our own government, it is the in- intelligence state that does that. And that meant that when uh, cutting edge science of uh, psychopharmacology uh, starts a- exploding, uh, you got, Albert Hoffman tripping balls on his boat, uh, bicycle uh, in Switzerland. There's going to be money there to direct that research towards the goal of controlling people. And that's what they did. And they fried the brains of a generation or tried to. Now, I don't think that the CIA ever figured out how to program predictably an assassin or anything like that, like in a repeatable uh, 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 fashion. I don't think that they could ever get that that good at it. They could fry a brain and they could get people to sort of go in a general direction, but they could not ever expect to uh, fulfill an order by like asking someone to do something. And so that limited the utility of this research. Now, that doesn't mean you couldn't theoretically do it. It just got to a point where it was no longer cost effective for the CIA to keep pursuing that level of research. Instead, they focused on all right, what can this stuff do? 
And what it could do is throw social monkey wrenches into things. Like uh, infiltrate milieus and direct them by people who are suggestible to to agents of the state, be it Charles Manson or Jim Jones or the people who administered MKUltra in universities uh, and uh, colleges and help create guys like fucking Ted Kaczynski. And so since MKUltra, you know, all we know about it is that at some point they just gave up according to them to uh, their own records. They were never in for, there was never any actual uh, investigation or punishment. Nobody ever went to jail for MK ultra. So there's no reason to believe that they would have stopped unless there was no longer a reason to continue. And my argument is not that they said, Oh, well that failed. Let's make the internet. Let's, let's do cathode ray tubing to people's brains. I am saying that, the same time that they're the they're in the the, the little elves, Sidney Gottlieb's elves are in the in the acid mines during MK Ultra. You're seeing built the technology, the structures of uh, media uh, and and computational technology, the creation of the microchip that are that are networking human relationships and decentering human uh, reality away from the self, the immediate identity and into this mediated space that is controlled by the market, by, by the underlying logic of the system that you're protecting. And it's being driven by people who are trying to make the world a better place. Like the internet was the product product of the failure of the sixties counter revolution. Oh, uh, there was an attempt to make it so that everybody in the world could be free of the, of the, of the uh, tyrannies of capitalism, its alienations, even at the heart of empire. And that was the dream of the 60s, but it was pursued individually and hedonistically because that's all we had at that point. The children of the suburban splendor of the 50s did not have the class experience uh, to, to act in any way other than hedonistically and individually. And that meant that their uh, dream failed. But what replaced it was the dream of finding a new frontier where freedom can be really expressed. If we're going to be bound to this capitalist structure, where can we find freedom? And it was the next frontier of online. The idea was we are going to cybernetically uh, and horizontally reorient human uh, consciousness around this, uh, this new conception of like a human community that would enliven like a human species awareness but because these are the end children of history the 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 products of a declassed american experience their uh efforts towards that end are channeled through structures created by this uh economic system which meant that it was privately owned eventually and directed towards capitalist ends which created within it within this cultural engine, an algorithm that will be self-perpetuating because the world people are going to now inhabit mediated through this new structure is one where class has been dissolved out of existence because we are only able to understand ourselves in this context in a lens of individual consumer identity because we are mediating a concept of humankind of 
Americans' abstract notions of people, we are orienting that away from ourselves. But the definitions of those terms, what those things mean to us when we, when we uh, conceptualize them, is generated by this self-sustaining capitalist uh, uh, cultural programming that then powers this media into our heads and makes us live more and more in an abstracted and alienated realm we are no longer reacting to the world in a way that can productively engage with alienation because our alienation is now trapped. We're, we're locked into an, a gigantic orgone accumulator that sucks up and disperses all of our wounded anima that comes with being an alienated capitalist subject. And then we chase phantoms in the cultural sphere that they've created. And so what is that if not the end of MK Ultra pursued to its most efficient technological specifications? Yeah, you can't make everybody do exactly what you want every minute or even for a minute, but you can arrange things. You can set guardrails up technologically and structurally and, and conceptually that prevent them from expressing that alienation in a coordinated way, one that subsumes personal desire to a group project that is defined in uh, opposition to capitalism, not to any of these ill-defined propagandistic categories that we actually engage in politics with. And so we are like all in, 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 they nationalized and now have internationalized MK Ultra in that they now have a, whereas acid and like all the drugs that they experimented on for the individual brain were supposed to like cut, re, rewire your brain, like regroove your brain so that a thing that used, that meant X now means Y. And then you, Act as though that's true. And then, then you, you try to use conditioning and symbols to try to get them to do one thing. And by defining our world, defining our social existence through the lens of this thing, this, this structure, this structure of structures and mediated existence as generated by these structures. Your, your understanding of the world is being regrooved. A thing that should all by rights naturally mean A now means Y. You're operating off of collectively experienced, and this is the most important thing, capitalistically uh, overdetermined
So you have a situation not where we have anything like a human polity as ever understood uh, historically, and they've created a new a new social relationships that has been technologically overdetermined, and that means directed not to human ends but to the ends of capitalism, which is in a distinct entity. I really think that this is true. There's a thing Marx talked about, uh, and it's hard to really get into because it is very, you know, kind of uh, woolly-headed. But to my mind, it's very important. It's really helped me. Every time I'm trying to, like, make sense of the world around myself, uh, I find myself, you know, getting caught in the same semantic web that we all do. And the thing that pulls me out is to stop thinking of this, uh, this class struggle that we're in right now as one that is between human beings that are arranged in a class position. It is between humans and capitalism as a distinct will. Now, of course, it's doing it, it's expressing that will through humans, and those humans are capitalists, but they do not seek what capitalism seeks, but they can't operate any other way because they have been technologically overdetermined. Their brains have been rewired as acutely as a fucking programmed assassin from the CIA and like the most outlandish version of MK Ultra would be. They are only, they're expressing a, a, a separate non-human capitalist will, a real God in the world. There's a guy named Ian Wright. Someone sent this to me today, and I read it. There's a guy named Ian Wright last year wrote a blog post called Marx on Capital as a Real God. And I read that today, and I was like, yes, precisely. We have to think of capitalism not as a thing that capitalists worship the way that Christians worship Jesus or whatever. The relationship of submission is similar. The difference is is that Jesus is just their collective will filtered through democratic and cultural institutions. Jesus is what they wanted to do collectively. However, that's determined by force and extraction and exploitation and hierarchy. It is determined. And however it's determined by those people is what God wants under capitalism. These people are worshiping a God that has its own will independent of theirs. And for me, like when I'm like all history, all theory is all, all Marxism is as, as a study, you know, as a, as a study, it really is just the study of history because everything within it that you want to talk about economics uh, the sociology, all the things that Marx did, the journalism, it's all just wrapped around history as it is a narrativizing of the past after it has happened. It is narrativizing it. It is not seeking, it's not pulling some sort of uh, like mechanistic truth out because you can't get that. What you can do is tell a story. So and everybody does this. Like every 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 uh, bourgeois historian does the same thing. We're all telling a history about a story about the past. It's just for the Marxist, the different the thing that distinguishes them 
from those others is that you understand that that's what you're doing. You understand. You take the leap of faith. You, t- you, la- you take the leap of Kierkegaardian faith that, yes, I am telling a story here. I am not divining a truth, but that in so doing, I'm going to be saying something that is still true. And the paralysis of the capitalist intellectual is that they can't make the leap. They have to get one more piece of information that is going to convince them that now that they can make the leap. And that leads them to just allowing the categories and narratives of capitalism that they've absorbed to overdetermine their uh, response to it. And, of course, all of that motivated by their unconscious and conscious class interests. The only thing that cuts through these is that leap of faith. And then once you have that, you say, okay, capitalism is God. You can look at the iron filings of history, like look back on them and then hold that fucking uh, uh, rod, that galvanized rod over them, and they will all start to line up. And this is, of course, the stuff that made Karl Popper so horrifically uh, uh, incensed by the very notion of Marxism as a science. Popper was like, ah, I'm not falsifiable. It's like there is a thing called science that involves like practical application of mind. But that is not the same thing as the spirit that animates our pursuit of science. And that is made in theology and history. It is made in it is it made in the humanities broadly construed. It is the story we tell about the past that then we live by live having shaped us. Because all of the, all of the conflicts, all of the social ills, all of the, uh, baffling array of, uh, human cultures, uh, in conflict and in collaboration, striking off each other throughout history, the, the, the cascade of social realities. And then as time goes on, as you look through history, the, in, in, the uh, overabundance of uh, material to sift through, the amount of information we have about the past. It makes discerning a human narrative, one that presumes that human minds are in control of this process, it makes it very difficult to arrange them in a way that feels consistent and coherent. And that is why we end up allowing capitalism to determine for us because we can't convince ourselves. It's too much information. It's too varied. Why would X do Y? Y is not Z. But if you understand that once capitalism becomes a hegemonic, uh, uh, cultural set of cultural practices that you have created a non-human intelligence that is going to battle humanity over control of this thing called technology that the civilization that emerge merges from human uh humans desire to survive which is cooperative which is instinctively cooperative until equilibrium is breached, which in which it then, uh, as a 
temporary as a measure of emergency hierarchy is introduced into the system, but then it persists because of its domination of technology until disequilibrium breaks it up again and another class structure emerges in power. That is a struggle that is over resources by humans. But once capitalism emerges as a way for humans to cooperatively pursue their ends as they understand them. Now, when I say cooperatively, it becomes coercive, but it is not just coercive. Every social order, every civilization has degrees of coercion and consent within the system. And they're managed around technology and the intensity of technology. But they are held by human hands. When capitalism emerges out of the state, conf, uh, the Westphalian uh, state competitive framework of Europe, a place with no resources, but also no threat from imperial domination from without, uh, intensity of uh, focus around technology leads to the ability to dominate others in a way that can drastically increase the efficiency of technological intensification. And everyone in the leading positions within the power structures of Europe pursued those goals. The thing that will help you dominate, why you have to pursue it. But making, but intensifying technology means intensifying urban relationships. It means intensifying uh, the creation of cultural structures uh, of, of, of things that gravitate around not the, 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 the staid uh, rural idiocy of land-based tenure, but around the dynamics, uh, uh, capital circulation engines of, the, of um, urban modernity. And so that means that the power dynamic between the old landed powers who unleash capitalism to compete against the other old landed powers, give power to their emerging bourgeois, who then, over time, destroy them, either destroy them if they can't uh, accommodate quickly enough, like the Stuarts and the Bourbons and the Romanovs, or uh, uh, are able to be bought off, essentially, into positions of ceremonial power, like the, uh, like the post Glorious Revolution English monarchs or the Scandinavian monarchs. Either way, they surrender power to their bourgeois, to their national bourgeois, who then go to war against the other national bourgeois. And emerging from the dust of that is a American over uh, America overseeing a post World War II reorganization uh, of the world into a, for the first time, a global structure of capitalist extraction. And at every point of this process, you are accumulating this massive amount of exploitation and misery at the bottom, but then filtering up to the top because at a certain point, even your fucking uh, bourgeois are starting to become disaffected with capitalism as they lose power to capital unrestrained in the form of the algorithm that can be administrative, administrated technologically with no human intervention. 
And you could see the entire history, modern history from, from the wars of religion and, 30, uh, and the Thirty Years' War that create the Westphalian state and that are the first big explosions of uh, resistance to capitalism emerging uh, from both the peasant class in the form of the peasants' wars of the 1520s to the, uh, the, the revolt of the barons uh, and, the, um, and the electors of the Holy Roman Empire, the Thirty Years' War, and, of course, the, the lowland burghers of the Dutch, uh, the, Habs, uh, <clears throat> the Spanish Netherlands. And then the entire – and then the post-revolutionary – French revolutionary uh, centuries of war in Europe is the na- emergent national bourgeois of these different states fighting one another for control of a world market that they can dominate technologically from their metropoles. So they're battling now – with the resources of a planet, even though they are still just little old Europe. And that means they gain the capacity to destroy each other on a mass and unprecedented scale. And they do eventually. But capitalism is not destroyed as it should have been. Because while they were doing that, the settler colony of America was absorbing all of the excess social conflict and alienation that their system couldn't contain, even with their wars and shit. There was still a lot of excess. And instead of it overthrowing from below capitalism, it vented off opposition to it where it reformed in a place where the endless capacity for uh, uh, territorial expansion at the expense of less socially developed pre-capitalist subjects meant that capitalism could be reforged with a a smoother mechanism for social uh, interaction, a greater degree of consent from within the structures of capitalism in the form of free real estate. This is is my drum I've been banging now. I feel like uh, reading Greg Grandin's End of the Myth is one of the most clarifying experiences I've had in the last like five years in terms of clearing the cobwebs and trying to understand what is going on in this fucking country. And free real estate meant that the social angst of Europe that exploded, exploded over and over again in peasants revolts and, and, and uh, wars of religion and then nationalist movements could be subsumed by giving people fucking land, giving them an idea that they could still be at the right end of the deal not get the shit end of the stick of capitalism. That they could be the one holding the whip and not the one being whipped. The problem is, is that being there whipping on behalf of someone else is still alienating. So even the people uh, uh, benefiting from capitalism are being immiserated spiritually. They're miserable. They have to consume more and more and distract themselves more and more from the basic uh, 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 position of alienation and guilt that they feel. They have to filter that through uh, an anxious and neurotic culture that they generate to allow themselves to feel good about whipping their fellow humans instead of being whipped. Of course, 
The person being whipped is experiencing significant, horrifying alienation of the physical kind, but that also has a spiritual dimension. Everybody is being spiritually impoverished. No one is doing what they would like to do if they could get together and make a decision, but they're locked in this death embrace by their need to appease the God. Because everyone in every room is answering to debt, answering to money, answering to a ledger book that is transcendent of human will. You got the goddamn heads of Europe together in the Middle Ages, in the feudal era, to determine a, a, uh, a question of religion. The answer was found by their collective will. If some group didn't like it, they could fight them. But whoever won, won and got to impose their will. But it was collectively decided. Modern capitalist ruling class filtered down through the positions of everybody under it are not ever uh, in charge of any decision about what to be, is to be done. And the social co- – co- now, the thing is, is that the deal we got as Americans is breaking down, and that's why our politics are breaking down, because we're no longer able to promise a better future, more consumption instead of more freedom over our lives because that's gone. We're no longer going to get the good deal. The people who made a deal and held the whip because it, it benefited them in the sheer, near term are now in a position where they cannot uh, guarantee collectively their best interest, and it's driving them crazy. It's driving us all crazy. We're in the Winchester Mystery House. We're, 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 we're locked in a cycle of guilt and exploitation and misery where the people in charge are so detached from uh, – the real conditions of pain the system causes because their lives are so goddamn comfortable. The most comfortable lives anyone's ever lived in human history. And what I mean that is that literally less pain, physical discomfort, physical discomfort. I know that that's like a relative thing, but it's also an absolute thing. There is like degrees of pain that we feel less of. And this is more important. This is even more important. There are degrees of comfort and pleasure that we can pursue that we never could have before. 